hey y'all, you tired of church teaching that just ain't right? It's kind of contrary to all God's word and such. Well, you need to know how to refute it. This here channel will help you out. We got answers. Welcome to Contending for Christ Apologetics, where old Danny boy seeks to equip you with some tools that you can go out and fight that good fight and really develop that there Christian faith. Now get after it, y'all. So what's up, everybody? This is C4C Apologetics here, and I want to go ahead and address another viewer feedback question from the video that we did a couple weeks back. And I got to admit, out of all the false religions and cults out there that I have personally studied, uh, I thought it would be very difficult to find something that I did not know about or hear about. But I got my buddy Gabe. He's uh, uh, from Alabama and everything. So he posed this question. World Mission Society Church of God, their belief of a God mother. And so when I read that, I was like, what is the World Mission Society Church of God? You know, I got Book of Mormons, Doctrine and Covenants. I got Science and Health, Keywood Scriptures with Mary Baker Eddy, uh, Church of Christian Science, Jehovah Witnesses, you know, Islam, Seventh-day Adventist, Catholicism, you name it. I've looked at it. But Gabe, where did you find out this World Mission Society Church of God caught at? What happened? Tell me the background. Yes. Yeah, so uh, uh, it was in between church on a Sunday. We were actually at uh, home and we got a knock on the door. And I'm thinking it's probably just, you know, your normal Mormons, Jehovah's Witness coming to uh, coming to, to try to witness to you. So I, I looked through the, the door hole there and I didn't recognize any of the clothing you're out there they just look like normal people so i opened the door um and these guys tell me they're from the church of god and i'm like okay you know i've heard of the church of god before i've seen a couple of church of god signs but um uh i ne you know i never really looked into it that much uh and the first thing they lead with was have you heard of god the mother like you know god the father and god the son have you heard of god the mother and I was like, uh, actually, no, I have never heard of that before. Um, so it's it's it was an interesting uh, thing. And I think the whole with looking into it, I think their whole reason they start out and lead with that is to kind of create confusion with the people they're talking to. So, yeah, you're kind of thrown off by that because I was for a minute. I was like, I don't know what that is. So, no, I've never heard of that. Uh, but, yeah, that 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 was my first encounter with them. That was a couple uh, last month, I think. So, it so was, how far how far did that conversation go? Um, lengthwise, it went for about an hour. Um, oh, so they tried proselytizing and everything? Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. Well, what's funny is it went for about an hour. Content-wise, we only really talked about one thing for about an hour because we couldn't get off the one thing because God the Mother. Yeah. Well, well, it went from God the Mother, and in order to try to to prove God the Mother to me, they tried they started talking about the Trinity. And we had about an hour-long conversation about the Trinity before finally I was like, okay, so how does this all tie back into God the Mother? Because I'm still not, I'm still not understanding it here. But yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, the the bulk of our conversation that I had with this guy was was about the Trinity, um, and their views of it. And I guess, the, and it, it's weird because they don't they don't actually explain it the way in person that they do that it's on the website. Like on the website, it's real clear what they believe. Mm -hmm. But when they're in person, they're kind of like going around in circles, like sort of like they're embarrassed of it or something. Almost, it's not that embarrassed. I don't know if it's embarrassed or not. I think it's just like trying to 
to like agree with me without agreeing with me. So, because I don't think they wanted to come up and be like, "No, you're wrong," because right. you're not gonna you're not gonna convince anything of anyone doing that. But there's just there so many so many uh, loopholes and things in yeah. their in their uh, explanation of it that I just I guess I just kept asking questions and he finally ran out of answers for questions. I don't know. <laughs> well, like I said, this is something that I've never heard of. I've heard of Church of God, you know, Assembly of Church of God, all the other stuff and everything, but I've never heard of the World Mission Society. And so uh, let's talk about some of their doctrines and everything. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and share my screen. And so let me know if you can see that. Are you good? You can see the website? Yep, I can see it. All right. So one of the things we talked about before was their belief in the preexistence of the soul or the spirit and then the sinning of that spirit. Now, this is a doctrine that's similar to Mormonism. Because Mormonism believes in uh, pre-existence of the soul as well. And they also believe that the soul that sins comes here on earth sort of as a testing ground to go back uh, to heaven with God. Also similar to this World Mission Society Church of God, the Mormons also do teach a, uh, a wife of Jehovah. And they teach that God the Father, Jehovah, was a man just like us who was exalted and had a celestial marriage to a woman. So this is kind of similar to Mormonism. But what have you found out with this whole preexistence of the soul? Yeah, so um, basically what they state is that the soul is is created and it's it's already existing in heaven. So everyone who's not born, their soul already exists in heaven. Um, as far as how long, like, I don't know how long the soul has been there, according to them. Mm -hmm. um, all I know is that the reason we are, are born on earth as humans is because our soul sins in heaven. What sin that is, again, I don't know that either. Um, it's just, I guess, it, I guess the way they explain it is kind of like sin, earth is like our prison. So we're, mm -hmm. we're in heaven, and then we're sent to be punished by having to live on earth and then the only way we can get out of prison or go back to heaven is by uh eternal life through whoever it is god the mother that they say uh brings us eternal life um but yeah there's no real clear uh there's no clear answer or description of of when the soul is created in heaven how long the soul's been there, what we do, or what sin we've committed to be kicked out, other than, I guess, maybe unbelief. I don't know. Yeah. Well, even, let's look at this a little bit. First thing, because, yeah, just like every other religion, they're going to use Bible verses right. to their whim. What's interesting to me is when you go through, like, all these lists of Bible verses, if there's not a translation listed, they're supposedly using the NIV. But I've seen things from the New Living Translation to the CSV to the King James Version. And it seems like they just use verses, uh, translations that fit their different theology. Right. And so, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. The actually, he, when the guys came to my house, they had, uh, they had one of those Bibles that has two different versions in one. And uh -huh. they, had the, uh, they had the NIV and the King James Version. And he was reading and had all of his highlights in the uh, NIV. So he wasn't reading out of the King James Version at all. 
See, one of the things I use out of Ecclesiastes is the fact that the body returns to God to go ahead and show that if you're returning to something, then supposedly you had to have come from that area. Uh, what else was in here? Present state. I want to see, where was this? We're born sinners, not because our bodies committed sin, but because our spirits in the kingdom of heaven prior to our lives committed sin. Since we committed sin in heaven, we were expelled to earth and are now lost without knowing how to return to heaven. So how can, like one thing you were talking about was the fact that there's a lot of confusion on how does one get eternal life? Uh, he says that Jesus came to give forgiveness of sins that we may re go back to heaven. We need to be forgiven through the blood of Christ. It's crucial to know to receive his blood because his return to the kingdom. And that's where they talk about this Passover. And they really focus on the Last Supper when Jesus says, this is my body and this is my blood. He who eats and drinks uh, will have eternal life. And that's one of the things it is a works-based salvation. Uh, to go ahead and keep this Passover meal, the Last Supper, if you will, to get eternal life. So, have you seen anything or read anything else about the pre-existence of the spirit or the soul? Um, so, yeah, what you just mentioned, you know, we are sinners of our flesh uh, because of the spirit. I saw that one, uh, which is kind of funny to me because what, what's the whole point of, of um, you know, Adam in the garden and, and the tree? If he's already sinned, then why would... Oh. Why would they make an emphasis on that being the pivotal turning point for the fall of man in the Bible? Uh, but they don't bring that up when they're talking to you about it. That's a very interesting point. Um, and yeah, for the most part, it's just basically everything you read. You know, we, we receive forgiveness through the Passover. That's one of their big things, mm -hmm. um, which is kind of funny because they, they actually state two different two different things there. So it's it's by through Jesus and his blood. And it's also through the Passover. And that's one of the themes you'll find in this entire religion is there's multiple different ways that they say is the only way that gives forgiveness and salvation and eternal life. You, you gave a perfect segue to the next, which is baptism. So like you said, there seems to be in numerous different ways. And that... According to this, this is actually the first step of salvation. Right. And so what have you looked at as far as the baptism is concerned? In this uh, so as far as baptism is concerned with them, yeah. So they think that baptism is, is the first step into, um, into, into salvation and or being a Christian. It's mandatory. Um, they also state that uh, the water used in baptism contains an eternal promise from God. Um, huh. Yeah, like the water itself, which is, which is, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of like, you know, the, the Catholics, they have the holy water and everything like that, and it's like in a specific little bottle and everything. Well, it's, what's interesting to me is they also talk about how um, there's no, like, there's no specific place that you need to be baptized. Like, you don't have to be baptized in a certain way or a certain area. It's just... It just needs to be immediate. So, like, as soon as you hear the good news, you need to immediately be baptized if it's on the side of the road, in the ditch, with the mud, whatever. Um, which is, I kind of find it hard to think that a mud puddle on the side of the road is going to have an eternal <laughs> promise from God in it. Um, 
what's interesting here is uh, they say that the key in the baptism is using the three names of God. Right, if right. If you don't use the three names of God, your baptism is invalid. Yep. So the three names of God, um, but you've got to make sure you're using the right, the, the right three names, which is okay. Well, that's that'll be in another section, so I'll leave that for later. Uh, that thought I just had, but um, yeah. So you know, you've got baptizing the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? So, which in theory, you know, just any normal Christian, yeah, that sounds right. Um, but it's when they get to the Holy Spirit is is where it changes. If you're not using the right name. For the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. which is, they believe, this man named An Song Hong, uh, <laughs> who supposedly is the founder. So, which is, yeah, I never, uh, I never knew the Holy Spirit had an actual name other than the Holy Spirit. But, mm-hmm. uh, but apparently, yeah, if you don't baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Christ An Song Hong, it's invalid. No, yeah, and again, you're you're providing like some excellent segues <laughs> into the next topics and everything because I, I want to get into this the Holy Trinity, th- their idea of this Trinity. Like you said, you were there talking for quite some time about the Trinity, their views. I'm sure you were defending the biblical views of the Trinity: God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. Uh, but first thing you know that caught my attention is a theological term called modalism. M-O-D-A-L-I-S-M, modalism. And basically it's the teaching that the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit are all the same individual. They're just manifested in separate ways. And so God the Son is God the Father just manifesting himself as Jesus. And they equate it to H2O, where you can't have water and ice at the same time. It's either one or the other. You can't have ice and vapor at the same time, one or the other. You can have only have these individually, and they all represent God. And this is a common, unfortunate theological belief of modalism. But before we get into the other God, the you know, we'll talk about that here in a minute. But have you what were they arguing as far as this Trinity is concerned? Right. So they actually um, he eventually actually drew the H2O, um, the H2O symbol there for me, the, the diagram. But uh, the, the first thing he tried to he was explained to me, asked me about the Trinity. And you know, I told him, well, you know, Trinity, it's uh, one God, three persons, you know, God, the Father, God, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Uh, and he drew these little stick figures. He was like, OK, so how would you view the Trinity? And he drew three separate stick figures. He drew one body with three heads on it. And then he drew one stick figure and then different names around that stick figure indicating that it was one God. He just played different roles. Mm. Uh, so from a stick version, I picked it would be the three three individual persons. Um, so, but their, their view is actually, it would be one God. So like you've got God and he plays different roles. And he kind of, he tried to use me as an example. Like, so I'm a father, right? So I am me, but I'm also a father. I'm a coworker. And I'm a son to my parents. So that's that he said, that's kind of like the same thing. You are a representation of God in that way. Like God is, is one God, but he plays three different roles. And, um, and it's, it was interesting because, you know, I, and I, I, you know, I asked him about, you know, like that you can't really equate something like God 
in in human terms as far as me like i don't really like being compared to god because in no way shape or form (laughs) any any way anything like god um but the bible just it doesn't point out that there's one god so like in the garden when when jesus is praying to the father he's essentially based based off of their their logic he's essentially praying to himself and when he tells people you know this is the way to pray and he and, and he has the uh you know, the Lord's Prayer, right? Our Father, which art in heaven. Why, I mean, it's basically saying, me, which art in heaven. Like, why would you tell somebody to pray to yourself and use it in a different name? And it was, it was, it was, it was just really weird. And also, their H2O thing is kind of flawed, too, because it's like, yeah, they're all consist of H2O, but they're all different physical representations of one thing. Okay, yeah. So... You brought up some passages that will refute their idea, and uh, I thought of two just doing my own research and everything. Uh, number one, you got Jesus's baptism in the Jordan River, you know, where you have the Son, you have the Spirit descend on a, as a dove, but then you have the audible voice of the Father saying, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased. And so I can't see how it would be one individual, three separate manifestations as opposed to three separate. Uh, but then the other idea, the other passage is in Acts chapter seven. Remember when Stephen becomes the first Christian martyr? Right. In Acts seven, 55 and 56, as Stephen's getting stoned, he says, behold, I see the heavens open and the son of man standing on the right hand of God. And so here before Stephen dies, God gives him a glimpse of the heaven he's about to gain and sees God the Father and Jesus Christ right there. Two separate beings, if you will, part of the biblical trinity that we would argue that really doesn't, you know, you know, coincide with their H2O belief. Right. So, yeah, I've actually I actually brought that up. Um, not yeah. specifically not specifically the passage uh, with, with Stephen, but um, I did actually mention, you know, you know, Scripture clearly tells us that in heaven, you know, Jesus Christ, the God, the Son, is seated at the right hand of the Father. Mm-hmm. Um, said so. How can you explain that He's seated at the right hand of the Father if there is no individual Father and Son? And that was right. kind of one of those questions that they just kind of skipped over. And they said, "Well, let me show you another passage." And it was like completely unrelated. And like I think it was referring, I don't even know what it was referring to. They just they just skipped on and moved ahead. So there were several times I would ask them a question like that, and they just wouldn't answer it and just moved along. And that begs this next question, okay? And uh, this is probably the most interesting one. Heavenly Mother, God the Mother. So they espouse the teaching that because we are sons of God, children of God, logic would dictate that If you have a child and you have a father, you have to have a mother because the mother is the giver of life. And so through that, they equate the us in Genesis 126, not as the Trinity, as the Bible speaks of, but as God, the father and God, the mother. Could you elaborate a little bit more on that? Yeah, so we actually um, we actually did get to talking about that after about 45 minutes, I, I kind of tried to redirect and i was like hey you know you opened with you opened with god the mother um i'm not buying the whole trinity thing but i'm interested to see how you tie this back into god the mother because that's also something that i don't find biblically accurate 
And uh, so the first thing he opened up to his Bible was in Genesis 1, 26 through 27. And they do this a lot. I've noticed they'll they'll have on their website, they'll have like they have Genesis 1, 26 through 27. But when he was talking to me, he never read 27. He only read 26, which says, uh, then God said, let us make man in our own image after our likeness. Uh, and let them have dominion over the fish in the sea and over the birds of the heaven and the livestock and all the earth and over the creeping things that creeps on the earth. Right. So they focus there on the us and our. And he says, you know, they'll say, well, why does why does God say us and our? Um, their answer would be because he's talking about God, the father and God, the mother. You know, my right. response, my response was, well, the father, the son and the Holy Spirit. Uh What's interesting is they stop at 26 and they move on to other verses to try to prove God the mother. But if you go down to 27, yeah. it says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. So they'll try to state that the female, so and I think later on in God the mother area, it says that Eve is the representation of God the mother. So Adam was created in God the father's image. Eve was created in God the mother's image. So there were two gods in the creation process. Um, but in verse Genesis 27, it says male and female, he created them, not they created them or she created her. No, definitely. There's always that masculine uh, gender that's associated. But and this is where some people, uh, some cults go off on the deep end as far as what is the image of God. And from a biblical standpoint, we would argue the image of God is the fact that God creates man uh, with free will, with intellect, and with emotion. The three attributes that make up uh, personhood, if you will. And this is why we can see the Holy Spirit uh, having personhood and being a God, being the third uh, person of the Trinity, is because you can grieve the Holy Spirit. You can make the Holy Spirit sorrowful, but you cannot grieve a rock. If I kick a rock, break a rock, it's not going to make the rock sorry. But if I don't follow the impulse leading to the spirit, then I can grieve the spirit. And so being made in God's image is really re referring to the fact of volition, emotion, and intellect making choices. Uh, but like you said, again, uh, so many different ways for eternal life. What's interesting about this, and uh, I've done some looking into this as well, is, you see, they don't make up these teachings just waking up one morning and saying, huh, I think I'll believe in God the Mother, right? And so they actually use a couple verses. Did they talk about any verses to actually espouse their teaching? Yeah, so they've got, uh, you know, Gen Genesis one twenty six. That was that was one of the ones they brought up. And then right. uh, another big one that they like to use, and I've, I've found this theme throughout the, their entire uh, website is, they like to use revelations a lot to to prove the existence of God the Mother and 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 all a lot of other things. But um, I think it was uh, the main one they had was Revelations, which one? Nineteen seven, I think it is. Nineteen seven. Okay. Yeah. And I think it's the one that uh, talks about the Spirit and the Bride say come, and they use that to show that see the Spirit, which represents you know God. And the bride, which represents God the mother, saying the bride is God the mother, um, which is, as we all know, the bride. Well, obviously, some people don't know, but as me and you would know, the bride in Scripture is represented as um, 
the church. So, sorry, I'm trying to find the... Uh, no, you're good. Yeah. So, I gave you the wrong one. Revelation 19.7 um, is, is one that says, Let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. So they're saying, to them, they would say that that verse is saying, the bride has made herself ready, and that that proves to us that she's coming in like in the flesh in our time to earth. Um, and, and they say that the bride is God the mother. Yes, they say the bride is God the and mother. So my wife had pulled this point out when we were talking about this the other day. So who is the lamb according to scripture? The lamb is Jesus Christ. Okay, and so Jesus Christ being the only begotten son of God the Father, right? Right. And God the Father and God the Mother made people, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. But yet they espouse the teaching saying that Jesus' is bride, his wife, is his mother. Yeah, so essentially Jesus married his mom, and yeah, it's weird. It, it's some kind of weird, like, divine incest thing going on they got there. Uh, I, 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 I noticed that, too, actually, reading it. Um and it's it it doesn't make much sense once you think about it. Like, why why would you, as God the Mother, and God the Son, which also doesn't make sense because remember, God the Son is God the Father, according to right? Because mortal yeah, is and is the yeah. so it's just like their whole their whole theology starts to break down because there's all these little things in here. Yeah. Where it's just like, if God is the same God, then why, like, how is there a son? Why, like, why are you referring to him as a son? Why even say that? And yeah. even they in have... 1 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul has to pretty much get on to this church because there's this individual that's either having relations with either his stepmother or his real mother. And he's saying, you need to excommunicate him, turn him over to Satan so that his, you know, so that his spirit could be saved later on and everything. And so even that goes against their own teaching, uh, according to Scripture. Right. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't. I didn't understand that at all. Uh, I found that verse I was looking for, though. Um, yeah. It was Revelations twenty two seventeen, uh, where it says the Spirit, and, and this is kind of what they use to, to say that God the Mother promises eternal life. Mm -hmm. the, the Spirit and the Bride say, "Come and let." the one who hears say come and let the one who is thirsty come let the one who desires take the water of life without price so that that's one that he used that day to try to prove the existence of god the mother um and he would say you know well who who's the holy spirit well he would say it's god but to me you know this as far as this the spirit and the bride say come the way i try to explain it to him and you can correct me if i'm misinterpreting but I, I think the spirit his whole the, the spirit convicts the earth right he mm -hmm. he convicts and he draws people towards christ that's yeah the, that's the purpose of the spirit the bride which would be if you believe it would, is the church mm -hmm. uh, also saying come meaning going out sharing the gospel witnessing oh, yeah. so yeah. the spirit and the bride is actually talking about the spirit and the church um and let the ones who hear say come that one i would just say is the people who you've reached out they hear the gospel and then they go out also in turn and share the gospel no yeah i definitely agree with that yeah so the other passage they use oh i'm sorry go ahead i was saying it was it was 
it was that part. Like I tried to explain that to him, and then his next, and this is kind of where things start not making sense again. His next thing down was talking about the water of life, and he was like, "Well, well, what is the water of life?" And he and he brought up the the woman at the well, and you know talking about salvation and stuff like that. And I said, "Okay, well, water of life, Jesus Christ, salvation." He wasn't talking about actual water. He was talking about right. you know the word of God. But um, yeah, I don't know, like. He, he so he said that that was actually talking about the water of life was God the Mother somehow, huh. and God the Mother is the only one that can bring eternal life, um, and th- that's kind of where our conversation started ending because yep. I was like, well, you know, we got to run, we got stuff to do, um, but it, it just kind of left it there, like almost like they were they ha- he had his highlighted things he was supposed to say. And they like they were running out of answers to say, so they just start making stuff up, right. like off the top of their head. It was it was interesting to, uh, and it's been interesting having to look into this and read it too, because it's just crazy. <laughs> yeah, you piqued my curiosity because, like I said, I had never heard this before. One of the stronger arguments that they have for this mother ish, uh, issue aspect is in Galatians chapter four. They use Galatians chapter four, verse 26, and it says, but Jerusalem, which is above, is free, which is the mother of us all. And that's one of the verses they use to say, see, spiritual Jerusalem in Revelation 21, when Jerusalem comes out of heaven uh, as a bride, uh, and pretty much is that God the mother. But uh, looking into Galatians four and what Paul is actually talking about, Again, this is where exegesis and making sure scripture speaks for itself is very important in understanding how to actually study scripture. Because if you know anything about Book of Galatians, there's two problems going on. Number one, you have Gnosticism. Number two, you have Judaizers and uh, the Jews trying to go back to the law. And then here in chapter four, uh, verse 21, Paul says, tell me, you that desire to be under the law, do not hear the law. And he uses Abraham's two sons, Isaac and Ishmael, and he uses their mothers, Hagar and Sarah, as what? In verse 24, clearly says, are an allegory or an illustration for their two covenants. The one from Mount Sinai, which had uh, was in bondage, which is Hagar, is Mount Sinai and answers to Jerusalem, which now is and is in bondage with her children. But Jerusalem, which is above, is free, which is the mother of us all. And so we're told that Hagar and Sarah, Mount Sinai and Jerusalem are illustrations. They're symbolic of the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, and the New Covenant, in the New Testament, the law in the aspect of grace. And Galatians 4.26 is really what's called an anthropomorphism anthropomorphism and it's giving human characteristics or traits or quality to either god or an inanimate object and that's what they're doing here is simply talking about that we've been birthed through the era of grace and not through law and that would be the universal church found in 21 9 which you talked about the bride of the lamb and so again it's very important for people to go ahead and know how to study, know how to interpret, and make sure that you're letting Scripture speak for itself and not us putting our own thoughts and beliefs into Scripture. And so, you know, we can stick on that for a while, but I want to get to their main point of argument, their main issue, uh, 
the main belief. Where am I going? Uh, you are actually going to uh, the Christ Ansong Hong, who supposedly is their second coming of Jesus. They teach that the second return of the Messiah of Christ had already come. Right. And from my understanding, he was uh, he came in 1918. Right. And then started teaching after the establishment of Israel's statehood. So what have you looked into that? And what have they uh, talked to you about that on that doorstep that day? Yeah. So actually, um, this was not mentioned once on the doorstep. Uh, we talked oh. for hours. And if this if this is like the crux of their belief, like this is what they believe. And this is, you know, this is the main the, the main part of their their religion, you would think it would come up, but uh, yeah, not once did did this man's name come up. I had to find this out on my own. I actually got the guy's phone number because I told him I would love to keep in contact with you and keep discussing things, yeah. um, in hopes of you know maybe shedding some light on on act, you know what the Bible actually says about this stuff. But um, so when he texted me their website and some of the studies. Which is always funny to me. It was funny to me because he sent me their website, and then he sent me a study that he has that also proves um, the existence of God the Mother or whatever. And the study was just a link to another page on their website. So it was like, it's just like, here's our website, and then here's also our website to prove this. Uh, no independent study there. But yeah, so this didn't come up at all. So everything I had to read, I read on their website, and it's got some pretty, pretty alarming. Um, alarming things about it yeah like what so well first off he Oops, sorry i lost my place hold on yeah they so they claim this guy he was born in 1918 and he didn't start um he actually didn't start the religion uh or start preaching and stuff until like 30 years after he was born and it was about the time where jerusalem or israel became an independent state again right so they had <laughs> been taken over uh, by I can't remember who was, the, the Romans had taken over or whatever um, and then Israel finally became an independent state again and then that's when he started preaching and brought back the new the the new covenant Passover which is what they say is the the term or the pivotal point of the second coming of Christ Christ is going to come and restore the Passover um, and and it just so happened to be when Israel reinstated itself as an independent country. So that means this is the second coming of Christ. Um, and I think they use a verse in Revelation to point out, because my question when I first read this was, all right, well, so how come no one's ever heard of this man? You know, in the scripture, it tells us that when Jesus comes back, he's going to come back. Everyone's going to know about it. It's, there's like no debate's going to be happening. We're going to be like, yep, that's, that's Jesus. That's the son of God. Um, and they say, they use the scripture, it's in Revelations, uh, where it's talking about the white stone, and he's going to come with a name that no one knows. But uh, I think it also says in that state, in that verse, that and the name is the word of God, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, we're talking about Revelation 19. Yes. Where it says in verse 12, he had a name written that no man knew but himself. And then it says that, do, 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 where's it at? He was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. Right. And so in Scripture, Jesus is referenced as the Word of God several times. So 
And it's just it's interesting because no one's heard of this guy. No one knows who he is. He just all of a sudden shows up. Um, and like it's it was just odd to me because I they use all these things and they say well the reason that no one knew who he was is because it says in the Bible that only he's gonna know the name of of mm-hmm. what he comes back with, um, which is the clear opposite of what the scripture says. No, definitely. Even if uh, you were to look into Acts one eleven, Jesus Christ ascended from Mount of Olives. You got these angels standing there with the disciples, the apostles. You said, why are you standing here? He says, uh, why are you gazing up? The same Jesus which is taken from you into heaven shall, shall so come in the like manner of you have seen him go into heaven. Meaning that as he ascended into the clouds and received him out of sight, and we can look at the cloud being the Shekinah glory of God, that he would again return in the same way. And we see that in the New Testament also. And so I've, I've looked into some background information on this An Sang Gong uh, individual. And so correct me if I'm wrong anywhere, but I'm tracking that he was born in 18, 1918 and died in 1985. He was actually born to Buddhist parents. And yep. he was going to a Seventh-day Adventist church in 1947. Yep. Uh, just like a lot of these false prophets, he claimed revelations in 53 and was kicked out of the Seventh-day Adventist church in 1962. Yep. And so uh, here you got another guy that claims special revelation, which I just put a video out there on near-death experiences, and there's a little bit of discussion about that. Uh, and so, but he was kicked out of that church and he had a follower, about 23 people followed him. And in 64, two years later, he established uh, not the World Mission Society Church of God, but the Witnesses of Jesus Christ Church of God. Matter of fact, he prophesied uh, the end of the world in 1988. Uh, he prophesied the end of the world in 2012 and that the bridegroom was a long time coming. So again, you hear have a couple more false prophecies as well. And so uh, there's a lot of interesting things about his background, growing up Seventh-day Adventist, being kicked out, special revelations, creating his own religion like a lot of people do nowadays. And so have you looked in or provided any sort of like refutation to their belief in this being the Messiah? Because a lot of people apparently believe this. Yeah, so um, I found some of the uh, pretty much all the same stuff you found, you know, started out Buddhist, which was interesting to me. So if 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 Ansong Hong is is Christ, he's the second coming of Christ. Uh, why was he born to a Buddhist family, worshiping false gods for thirty years, then ultimately joining another, yeah, false doctrine with the Seventh Day Adventist, and then going from there, finally realizing, oh hey, yeah, I'm Jesus. Here I am. Let's now we're going to do this right. Um, it doesn't really make much sense if you no, yeah, once, once you think about it. Uh, another interesting thing I found out actually was Ansong Hong was married and had three children. Hmm. He yeah he was he was married to uh, I can't find her name now but yeah he was married and had three children. And the, so the World Mission Society Church of God was actually a result of a split in churches. So the original church that he that he founded uh, resulted in two churches after he passed away. Uh, there's the World Mission Society Church of God. There's the New Covenant Passover Church of God, which okay. his, which his son is actually currently the pastor of. Um, and one of the interesting things about that, when you start reading into this 
this book he has. Um, the first, the reason he, he wrote a book uh, that kind of basically refutes the idea of God the Mother, uh, and that was because there was a lady in the church that, that he was pastoring, that he had founded, that mm-hmm. started going around saying she was God the Mother. Uh, her name was Um Suen. And he published a book, a very long book, uh, so I'm not going to read all of it, but he talks about um, the ideas that she has, because I think she wrote some books too, and he, mm-hmm. this whole book basically is refuting the idea of God the Mother and saying it's it's not a it's not a thing at all. And right. uh, so, like the the base, so the very first part of the book says this booklet was published to prevent troublemakers who misinterpret and behave fr- fanatically, explain the errors in the books that Um Suen published, and testify to the unchanging truth of the Church of Our God. So mm-hmm. that right there, this just the part where he says unchanging truth meaning this man wrote this book said this is what i believe in this book this Mm -hmm. is how this woman is wrong it's unchanging how can the world mission society church of god go and make all these claims about him when clearly himself put that it's not true yeah and he actually states in the book that uh jesus christ is the only way to salvation um, although he does make some weird claims about being the prophet Elijah. That's actually on his tombstone. Here lays the prophet Elijah. So uh, now I'm going to beg my next question. Now, now was Ansan Gong uh, someone who claimed he was the Messiah, or is he someone that people believed he was the Messiah? Right, yeah. So he never, he never claimed he himself was the Messiah at all. Uh, um, that didn't start until, I think, after he had passed away. And, okay. Well, it, it started with Um Suen. She was going around exclaiming herself as God the Mother, and then exclaiming him as the Messiah. As Messiah. Yeah. Uh, hmm. That's why he. That's why he wrote the book. Um, and he, but he, yeah, I think he did claim himself as a prophet. Um, and on, I'm not sure which. It doesn't say which prophet he claimed himself as. He never. But he on his tombstone it says, uh, "Here lies the prophet Elijah." So either he believed he was Elijah or other people believed he was the prophet Elijah, but nowhere right. in this man's life did he did he claim that I can find that he claimed to be the Messiah or the second coming of Christ or that there's an existence of God the Mother. No, yeah. It's but he did get those special revelations, if you will. Yeah, uh, he did he did say that. So interesting. So some of the things I'm thinking of for any of the people that are out there watching this and considering, was this really the Messiah and did the Messiah come? Well, a few things I would caution us all. Uh, First, go to Scripture. What does Scripture say? We see in Matthew chapter 24, verses 23 through 26, Jesus Christ during the Olivet Discourse says, Beware, there's going to be many false messiahs, false prophets, uh, people saying Messiah is here, the Messiah is there. Don't listen to them because this is all going to come to pass before I return. Uh, it's the first thing. Second thing, like you had already talked about, Gabe, is Revelation 19, 11 through 16. When, when Messiah comes again, he will be visible. Uh, we understand the doctrine of the rapture is going to be an immediate, you know, believers meet him in the air and will forever be with the Lord uh, at, at that point. But with his second coming, it's going to be very visible to everybody. It's clearly identified in Revelation 19. The other thing that is interesting that they don't talk about, maybe they do, is Zechariah chapter 14 says when Messiah comes a second time, he's going to stand split Mount of Olives. 
and he's going to destroy the nations that are attacking Jerusalem. Uh, but then one thing they fail to remember in a, is after the second advent, the second coming of Messiah, he establishes his millennial or messianic kingdom for a thousand years. Isaiah 65 talks about it. Re Revelation chapter 20 talks about it. He's going to reign for 1,000 years. Talks about in Luke chapter 1, verse 33. And then it also necessitates that chapters 4 through 19 of the book of Revelation, the tribulation period, would have to have already occurred. Because the second coming of Christ won't happen until after the great tribulation period for the seven years. And then that begs the argument about the abomination of desolation by the Antichrist in the temple that has to be built in Jerusalem. And so, again, I just, if you're into this, if you're considering this, if you're just trying to find information about it, look at scripture. Find out what scripture says about it. And then ask people. And if anything sounds uh, different. You know, look into it, ask the questions and everything. So, yeah, it's definitely been an interesting study. Now I can say that I've learned one other religion out there and put that out there and maybe do a more in-depth discussion of it one of these days. So, awesome. I, I appreciate your question. Uh, seems pretty much you answered your own question or you answered your own, you know, comment. Hey, talk about this. So, is there anything you'd like to sort of end this video on and, and any last final thoughts or anything? Yes, I would definitely just say, um, you know, make sure you're studying, make sure you're, you're, you're reading the scripture in its context. Uh, and if you hear something out there or see something that doesn't sound quite, quite right, just like, you know, look into it, uh, ask people who, who you look up to or who, who might know a little bit more than you. Um, you know, if you're not sure you quite understand it, you know, find a, a core group of Christians that believe like you do and discuss things with them um, and study together. Uh, and don't be afraid to challenge people. Uh, if somebody comes sure. knocking on your door, don't be afraid to challenge them and say, you know, well, actually, this is what the scripture says. And, you know, well, what about this part in the scripture where, you know, it says this? Um, that's not really my strong suit. I don't really do that too often, but I did with this guy and it actually turned out uh turned out pretty good i was i think i was able to create some thought into him yeah uh, but yeah just just um and this church is they're 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 really becoming prevalent now they're starting to set up around college campuses um wow. just in the last decade i think they've really made a, a big emergence in the united states and they're so they're targeting younger people so it's really important as 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 parents and as friends like you know if you raise your kids right raise your kids uh to know the truth about the scripture so that they can and teach them to study so they can be prepared for things like this because it's it's really easy to fall into these traps that these people set if you're not well versed and understand the scripture. No, yeah, definitely. Yeah, according to Wikipedia, there's about 2.8 million members of yep. this church in like 170 different countries. And so definitely why. Thank you for taking the time to come out here on the channel and everything and you know talking about this. Uh, if you like Gabe and everything, you want to see him back. You know, let me know in the comments and everything. Do you have a YouTube channel or anything yet, Gabe? Uh, I actually do have a YouTube channel. I have not put any videos up. I've been thinking about it, but uh, there you go. yeah, it's it's just my name. <laughs> <laughs> so what? So if you want, I'll go ahead and uh, you can send me that YouTube link and and uh, whatnot, and I'll go ahead and throw it in the description. So what would uh, your channel be about? Is it is it uh, Christianity things or is it just random stuff? What's that about? Um, so I've been trying to narrow down like 
you know, what I want it to be about because I want to have a concise thing. So basically, it would just be talking about things like this, like Christianity, okay. because I'm a Christian and I believe that, you know, my my whole purpose is to go out and share the gospel with others. I'm commanded to do that in the scriptures. So why not use social media and YouTube to do that? Uh, but also I'm really interested in controversial topics like politics and things like that. So if you're into that kind of stuff, I like to talk about that. Uh, my wife doesn't like to talk about it with me because she gets annoyed. So I figure I'll make YouTube listen. Um, but yeah, so just, you know, basically things like topics that I feel are important in my life and just share it with others and they can agree or not. It's up to them. Okay. Awesome. Well, shoot me that link, uh, the channel, and I'll put it in the descriptions below and everything. And so I uh, appreciate you again coming out here. Thank you for this question. Like I said, it's another one that I can go ahead and just add to my list of cults and whatnot. So uh, if you're out there, again, don't forget to hit the subscribe button, click the little bell so you get notifications on any of the next videos that come up. So thank you for watching. And God bless. <music>